Pastor George here. I wanted to take a second and thank you for checking out our online messages. Our prayer is that this resource will challenge you, encourage you, and empower you as you uh, dig deeper in your relationship with Christ. But in no way will it replace God's plan for your active involvement in a local church. I do want to take a second and ask you to uh, prayerfully consider as you participate and listen to this resource, partnering with Revive as we uh, pursue our mission of seeing people live their fullest life in Christ. You can do this by going online to revivechurchga.com backslash give and making a one-time donation or setting up a recurring gift. It's through the generosity of others that we're able to provide um, a resource like this one. With that being said, uh, I do want to thank you again, and here is today's message. Continuing on in our series, we're getting into the uh, nitty-gritty of it now, looking at the means of grace and how they shape us, right? Before we get in there, I'm going to have Jonathan throw the next slide up on the screen. We have talked about the You Asked For It series, okay? That's our next series. You can take a use your phone and scan the QR code. It'll take you to a Google form where you can submit your question, all right? You can submit as many questions as you want. I will, you can also access this by going to our website. It's on our website. Also, if you don't like technology, that's fine. We're going to have a basket and note cards. You can write it down and submit it in there. The reason we did the website is I can't read your handwriting and judge you for your question, okay? I can't say the same if you write it and put it in the basket. But what it is, look, if you guys don't submit questions, we ain't going to have a sermon series. You're just going to have to sit in here and, and talk and build relationships with each other, okay? So you have to ask questions. You have to ask questions. You have to submit them. What we'll do is if there's a bunch of them, we'll kind of take the general categories and we'll do series on them. And the one week we may actually just go through and answer questions, all right? But we're, if you don't ask the questions, there's nothing to teach and preach on. So you have to do that, all right? So you can submit it there. That's That slide will be on there before and after services and it'll be on our website, okay? So go do that. With that announcement made, let's jump into our message for this week. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are holy. Reminded this week, Lord, that the angels have been by your side for ages and ages, Lord. And still the thing they cry out, the, the attribute that they pay the most attention to is your holiness. And it's through that, Lord, that you transform us and make us holy. I pray that as we dive into this series, that that will be what takes place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are jumping into the first instituted means of grace. This is what Jesus, and his, as he's walking and you read about his uh, life in the Gospels, these are the things that, that he institutes and they're carried on throughout Scripture, right? The first one is searching the Scriptures, if you have your Bibles, our jumping off text today is 2 Timothy. We're going to be looking at verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 3 through 17, but the truth is we're going to have a lot of Bible that we're going to, going to go through. But this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. 
Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe. You know, you know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred, sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. As a freshman in college, I had a new experience for me and that there were lots of girls my age that liked me. All right. I think it was probably because the ratio was like three to one, so there wasn't much competition. Okay. I, I don't know what, what it was that caused this to happen, but it happened. And me, as a uh, sinful, self centered male, I loved the attention and I led as many of them along as I could so that they would keep paying attention to me. Okay. I'm not proud of this. I'm not, but it is the truth. I spent the whole first semester of college not caring about school or anything, just gaining the attention of the females on campus. That was a goal, and I succeeded, all right? Not a proud moment. However, there came a point towards the end of the first semester where there was one particular female that caused me to stop paying attention to all the other ones. (laughs) This female was fun. She was funny. She was fine, okay? She checked all the boxes, and it caused me to kind of stop paying attention to the other girls and start paying attention to her. And and it's interesting, uh, being a Christian in high school, you didn't really have girls that would check all the boxes. There were a few, but most of them, if they were like fun, funny, and fine, they didn't really love Jesus, okay? And and, uh, if they loved Jesus, they were often... um, I want to be gentle, but <laughs> they were often not as fun. Okay, let's just say that. It's just, it was just like that, okay? And so I was excited for college because I thought there was a chance that I would meet somebody who would be fun but also love Jesus. And the truth was, it happened. And I met Lauren, and we began to go on these walks, and she was a lot of fun to hang out with. And then one day I noticed her Bible. Now I have this Bible because it is a work of art. There are chunks of this Bible missing. It has been written in and scribbled through. Pages are beat up. Um, Duct tape, multiple layers of duct tape to hold the spine together. There is a uh, Chiquita banana sticker on the front. I don't know why, um, but but there's a sticker from a church that we were going to at the time on the back, but she carried this Bible with her. She carried it to chapel and church, of course, but she also took it to classes and to mealtimes, and she marked in it, and she read it, and she studied it, and I remember being blown away by how much this girl that I liked and was attracted to loved Jesus and loved the Bible. She actually is the one that first introduced me to the, uh, the quote from Charles Spurgeon, which I absolutely love, which says that if you find a Bible that is falling apart, the person it belongs to probably isn't, right? right and, this is a, and this is from Charles Spurgeon, and it was, a, it was true for Lauren. She motivated me. I ended up buying a small Bible back when cargo shorts were cool. I miss those days, right? And I always had a Bible in, my, in the big pocket of my cargo shorts, okay? 
she inspired me. And as I began to dive into this, this message about scripture, that's where my mind went. Because that's what it means to, to, be, to be transformed by Scripture. Eugene Peterson, who is the, uh, he wrote the paraphrase for the, the, called The Message, many of you have probably heard about. He has a book on reading Scripture that's entitled Eat This Book. And this is what, uh, from a, a, a paragraph in that book. It says, Christians don't simply learn or study or use Scripture. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of water, missions to all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name, hands raised in adoration of the Father, feet washed in the company of the Son. The Bible transforms us, not because it is an object that has ink and paper we can... Th- th- when I first started preparing this message, I went into a defense, like why you should read the Bible, right? And I started looking at, can we trust the Bible and the history of it, how we got the Bible, how the books came together, and, and all of those are important questions. But when I began to, to really get into that, the Holy Spirit took me into another direction. Because the Bible itself is just an object. It doesn't make you holy any more than a football and a rule book makes you a football player. Right? You can carry the Bible with you every day. You can sleep with the Bible under your pillow for 40 years, but if you never crack it open and read it, the only thing you'll gain from that action is chronic back pain. Right? There will be no life change that happens from the Bible. The Bible itself is not the means of grace. It's not. It's just an object. What makes it a means of grace is the searching of Scripture. That's the means. The searching of Scripture is the means of grace. The goal is to dive into it. And our text that we started with today lays it out for us. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God. Some, some of you may have learned the King James Version, breathed by God, right? It's profitable for teaching and rebuking, correction, training in righteousness. That All of those actions are the searching of Scripture. If you, if you think about it like a, a map or a GPS, teaching the Bible teaching is the GPS. Rebuking is where we kind of get off course and the Bible lets us know. Correcting is, is how we get back on the course. And training is how we stay there. It's the searching of Scripture that makes it come alive. And why do we search the Scriptures? How, what have we been talking about so far in this series? So that we may be made complete. Andrew Thompson says this, For the Word of God that is in Scripture to become a means of grace... We have to receive it actively. It's not just having a Bible that makes us holy. It's the searching of the Bible. And so as we unpack what that looks like, I'm going to break it down into two parts. All right. The the first part is preparation. The second part is practice. So the message message is way more than two points, so don't get excited, okay? But it's preparation and practice. That's how I want to break down the searching of the Scriptures this morning. I think we can better understand this instituted means of grace by breaking it down in those um, steps. So the first part, preparation. The, The way we prepare for the searching of the Scripture is by examining our mindset when it comes to the Bible, so often in many conversations that I've had with Christians, the way we think about reading and understanding Scripture is close to the truth, but not quite there. 
before we before we get into well what we, what we think about what we think about is we think that I need to our, our current mindset would be like I need to search the Bible for the answers right the Bible's got all the answers that I need answers to settle debates answers for decisions I need to make in life and so we go to the Bible and we're like okay I need to read this so that I can know how to to better raise my kids or I need to read this so I can know how to to have a better marriage and or I need to read this so I can have a better work life and we think that we go to the Bible the Bible kind of becomes a list of of do's and don'ts or how to's or how not to's and that's what we think the Bible's supposed to be and that's the mindset that we have when we go into the Bible and the truth is the Bible can give clarity it can give answers. It can give direction with life. But that's not quite the mindset we need. That's not really how the Bible makes us complete. It's not how we are transformed through Scripture. Another way we think about it is we think that, that I need to study the Bible every day. Like study it, like dig deep, get some kind of big impact come, that comes out of it. Uh, I need to to clear my schedule, make sure I have hours to dig in and study and read the Bible every single day. And we do this so that God will love us. Like if I read the Bible, then I know God's going to love me or, or I know God will be happy with me. I need to study the Bible every day so that I won't go to hell. All right, because it's going to teach me how to live. Again, those things are often true, right? If you study the Bible, you're going to get clarity on how you should live. God does love it when you read the Bible. He is happy when you read the Bible. But that's not how the Bible transforms us. Another thing I see all the time is this expectation for the aha moment. I need to read the, the Bible, and I need to read it every day until I learn something new or have that aha moment. I've talked about it in the past. I love to be astonished by the word of God. And I dry, it drives me to go deeper and deeper into the understanding of scripture because those aha moments are powerful and life-changing. But when we think we have to read the Bible and have an aha moment every day, we misunderstand how the Bible makes us complete. That's not how it transforms us. And I've seen many people with these mindsets going to reading the scripture with those things in mind. And what it does is it, it creates a lack of motivation because you think, man, I've read the Bible before for hours, maybe even, and not had an aha moment. Or I've read the Bible and, and thought that, that I was going to get that enlightenment to, to know how to have a better marriage and it didn't happen. And so we lose motivation to read scripture. We lose, we have a lack of understanding. These mindsets create a lack of understanding. They make us not sure where to start. Old Testament, New Testament, the letters, the gospels, the Proverbs, Psalms, where do I even start? Not to mention how intimidating it can be when you think about the, the, the whole of, of responsibility and the weight that comes from reading the scripture. So many people become overwhelmed by the weight of what we think it means to search the scripture. It's not just overwhelmed, though. I've seen people be underwhelmed because they read a passage or two or a page or two, maybe even a whole book, and they think, I've read this book, but I still don't know how to improve my marriage I've read this book and I still don't know how to have a better relationship with my kids. And so we, we become underwhelmed by the scripture. And the reason these mindsets breed that motivation, lack of motivation, breeds those excuses for not reading is because that's not how the Bible works. The Bible is not some kind of big aha moment that you should get every day. The Bible is meant to be spiritual nourishment. We have to have a change in mindset, and that's the change. It's meant to be spiritual nourishment. Matthew 4, 
Jesus is being tempted. He's been fasting. He's now been led by the Spirit into the desert where you could imagine he's even more hungry. He's even more tired. And in this moment, the Satan has, has shown up on scene to try and tempt Jesus. And he tempts Jesus to break his fast, to give him some food. Because you know, I mean, if you've ever fasted for a long period of time, you know how your body screams for food. And this is where Jesus is at. And the devil's like, hey, turn this rock into food. You can break your fast. You have the power. And Jesus' response when talking about nourishment, when talking about body and how the food reacts with it, his response is, it is written that man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That word from the mouth of God. He's talking about scripture. And we know this because he actually quotes scripture. When he's saying that, he is quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, where the Israelites have been led out of Egypt. They've been rescued out of slavery, and they are now wandering in the wilderness. And Moses has written to them, he says, God has humbled you. This is Deuteronomy 8.3. God has humbled you by letting you hunger, then feeding you with manna, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Notice what Moses is saying, what he's trying to get across. God's word is meant to work goodness in your life. All of those reasons why we go and we read scripture, God's word is meant to do that. Everything that God has given in the Holy Scriptures is intended to be that means of grace, to transform our lives. But both Moses and Jesus use the comparison of food to the body when highlighting the importance of scripture to our souls. In the story of Job, we see Job say this, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily food. Think about that. Treasured the words of his mouth more than his daily food. You want a convicting question? Something that challenges us? What would you look like if your eating habits were the same as your searching the scripture habits? How healthy would I be if I feasted every Sunday but didn't eat anything else for the rest of the week? Several weeks ago in our series on food, I talked about the greatest meal that I'd ever had, right? This meal at the pink house. I'm not going to go through that whole description again, but this, for the sake of our our conversation today, let's call that an aha meal, right? It was this meal that changed my life. I think about it way too often, even though this was seven years ago, all right? I can still remember the taste of that meal. It was a fantastic meal. But what if the only time I ate food was during these aha meals? Sure, I've had some since. I've had some great smoked meat from my father, okay? I've had the reverse seared steak. I've had some delicious Thanksgiving and Christmas meals. I've had aha meals. But what if I only ate during those meals? We're looking at maybe once or twice a year. I would not be standing here before you, right? You can't survive on a few meals a year. The truth is, a healthy diet is not one that overconsumes or underconsumes, but one that has a regular rhythm of eating the right foods. When you follow a healthy diet, you have more energy, 
you have uh, a more exciting life, you are generally more positive and happy, you have clear skin and better hair, you have more brain power to understand situations and things at work, you're, you're generally more successful, the list goes on and on. A healthy diet can vastly improve your life, but that improvement doesn't happen because you eat healthy for a day. It doesn't improve, but that improvement doesn't happen because you eat healthy for a week. It's those regular rhythms of healthy eating over a consistent period of time that brings those benefits. Just like brushing your teeth once a year doesn't keep your teeth healthy. It's things, these are habits that must be done regularly. This is how scripture works. It's supposed to be something that we do with a regular rhythm. And as we do this with a regular rhythm, Scripture begins to fuel holiness in our lives. Going back to Andrew Thompson, he has a book on the means of grace, and he says this, Perhaps the most important point to realize when talking about the study of the Bible and doing it more seriously is that we don't study the Bible in order to master it. We study the Bible that it might master us. Howard Hendricks says, we know enough to own a Bible, but we do not know enough to have the Bible own us. This book will transform your life, but only if you search it with a regular rhythm over a constant period of time. It has to be done regularly and consistently. Stats are important. I know they can be boring, but stats are important. I had recently, I had a, um, at work, we have this little button we're supposed to push to talk to customers about certain things. And I hate pushing it because I always feel like it's a burden on the customer. I feel like they just want to get in and get out. And it's bad customer service to try to force some product down their throat. And I hated pushing it. It was uh, terrible. My manager calls me in his office and he's like, hey, our branch is the worst at pushing this button in the whole region. I need you to help me figure out how we get this done. And I was like, well, I'm not the person to talk to because I don't push it either. <laughs> I hate it. And so we just kind of began talking and brainstorming. And I tried to figure out why I didn't like it because I felt like I was uh, forcing it down customers' throat that they, di- they didn't like it. Therefore, I didn't want to push it. So then we looked at the stats. The stats showed that all the branches that were similar in size, even the only other branch that's bigger than us, and then like three or four that's smaller than us, they all push the button more. And the branches that push the button more have higher service scores. So the stats showed that pushing the button actually improves the customer experience, not the other way around. I was like, well, I can't lie. I can't argue with those stats. So I began to push in the buttons. There were obstacles. I had to figure out how to remove certain things that still made me not want to push it, like what to say and how to say it. But as I practiced it, I got better at it. And the branch started doing it more. And the branch started pushing the button more, having more conversations. And would you believe our service scores went up. Stats can be boring, but they can't lie. They, they can't be twisted. Okay, stats can be boring, but it's important to understand that they can reveal the truth. So let's talk about Bible reading and stats for a minute. For a minute, Barna did a study on 40,000 people. This is not some little tiny study, okay? 40,000 people from the ages of 8 to 80. And in this study, all they really wanted to see was how people were engaging with Scripture. And by doing the study, they accidentally came across something that became the focus of the study and uh, many other follow-up studies. What they learned was that, uh, here, let's just unpack it like this. When people read the Bible one time a week, 
and not read the Bible when they search the scripture. Okay, and I'll unpack that later in a little bit. So this could include going to church. When they search the scriptures one time a week, whether it's going to church or listening to a message or reading a passage, there was negligible effects on their life, meaning there was no change between the people that interact with the scripture once and people that never interact with it. Twice a week. So people that interact twice a week and people that never interact with it, negligible change. There's no improvement from interacting with scripture twice a week versus not doing it at all. Three times a week, there became a slight, not significant, but measurable change. So there was a a bit of an improvement. I'll unpack those improvements in a few minutes. By interacting with scripture three times a week versus not doing it at all. So, So you would think as you do it more, it would gradually increase. But you're going, no change, no change, a little bit of change. But on that fourth time of interacting with scripture or four times a week, the chart goes off the charts. The graph spikes up, goes off the charts, and there is an undeniable, unbelievable increase in the act and the um, impact of scripture on our lives by interacting with it four times a week. So when people read the Bible, interact with scripture four times a week. This is what we see, a huge spike, not gradual from zero to 60, but a huge spike. Feeling lonely drops 30%. Anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships, whether it be children, spouses, in-laws, it doesn't matter. Bitterness in relationships drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant as as a pastor, when I talk to people who are already believers, the thing they ask me more than anything is, how do I grow spiritually? They're, 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 we all have those times where we feel spiritually stagnant. That spiritually stagnant drops 60% when we interact with Scripture four times a week or more. 60%. For now on, when somebody asks me that question, I'm going to be like, well, how often do you read the Bible? That's going to be my response. If you ask me that question, you know what? you know what's coming back, okay? Where am I at? Uh, feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. On the positive side, people who share their faith, it jumps 200%. They have a confidence in the Bible because they're interacting with it regularly. Discipling others, which is what our call is as Christians, we're called to be disciples, jumps 230% when people interact with Scripture four times a week or more. You don't even have to do it every day. (laughs) You interact with scripture four times a week or more, and it will transform your life. Stats don't lie. We, We can find all these excuses to not read the Bible. We can find all these reasons to not interact. But if you're looking at your life and you want to feel change, how often are you searching the scriptures? Isaiah 55, 11 says that the, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing in which I sent. I love this paraphrase from the message for Psalm 119 verses 9 through 16. How can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. A single-minded pursuit of you Don't let me miss the road signs you have posted. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so that I won't send myself bankrupt. Man, is that, 
the way to avoid sending ourselves bankrupt is by banking the promises of Scripture, by paying attention to the map of God's Word. Jesus says in Matthew 22, you are mistaken. He's talking to the Pharisees. You are mistaken because you don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. You can get online and you can Google why read the Bible or how does the Bible change our lives? What is the purpose of it? And you'll find a, a bunch of different lists. I've compiled some and there's scripture references for each of them. We don't have the time to go through all of them. Let me just list some of, but not all of the ways that scripture can change your life. It'll make you a disciple. It offers guidance. How many people are just looking for what they're supposed to do next? It offers fulfillment and clarity or direction. It can sustain us. It gives us wisdom for success. It instructs us on right living, how to be a good human. It protects us from sin and deception. Think about how we don't like to talk about the enemy. We don't like to talk about the devil, right? But the devil is out to get you. He wants to see you destroyed. And there are landmines laid out for you to try and capture you and distract you, pull you away from God to destroy you. And the word of God is like a map showing us where those landmines are when we are in it daily when we are searching the scriptures it transforms us it protects us from sin and deception it reveals God's nature to us his goodness his love his holiness it reveals God's plans to us all of this is in the bible so many people are searching for something more they're searching for a depth in life or direction all of this can be spoken to us through scripture but we don't spend time searching the word. Once Jesus was teaching in Jerusalem and he uh, confronted the audience with a, a pretty bold claim about the Bible's message, he said to them, you search because you think that in them you will have eternal life. And then he says, and it is they that bear witness about me. And he adds, you, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And this is in John 5, 39 through 40. Jesus says, you search the scriptures in vain because you're looking for eternal life. But the way that the scriptures provide eternal life is not in the words themselves, but in the fact that they communicate who I am. The Bible changes our life because it tells the story of Jesus Christ. It tells the story of the God-man, the Savior of the universe who came and died for our sins. The power of the Holy Spirit leaps off of those pages and transforms our lives because as we read the Bible, we understand our God and our Savior. That's how it transforms us. And it doesn't happen in one aha moment. It's as you eat a little bit each and every day, it nourishes our life. It becomes Jesus becomes the lens through which we see the world because of how we are reading his word. The way the Bible offers all of these benefits is because it points to Jesus who was sent, who sent his spirit to dwell in us and sanctify us. So when we search the scriptures regularly, Jesus becomes our lens. So that's the, the preparation. Now, we're more than halfway over, so don't get too scared because we're in the second. Okay, this next part goes quick. But we have to have a change in mindset, realizing that the Bible is not something that we take off in chunks, but something we're supposed to participate with regularly. And through that, we are transformed. So how do we practice it? How do we practice searching the scriptures? John Wesley lays it out in three different ways, and I think they're extremely helpful, and I think that's the way we should do it. It's reading, hearing, and meditating. 
It's not just reading scripture, but I'm getting ahead of myself, okay? Reading scripture is important. This is something, this is the main way, okay? Add practices in your life where you can read scripture. We often hear the the message of quality over quantity, right? In life, you want things that are quality over quantity. Listen, the quality of scripture comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. The quality of scripture comes from the author of scripture, God himself. You don't have to worry about the quality, I want to kind of reverse that mindset. I want us to pursue quantity because the quality is taken care of. If we read the Bible, the more we read the Bible, the more it will transform us. And it's actually a lot easier to read the Bible than we think. Okay, I know we're getting long, but stay with me. Over half the books of the Bible, 50% of the books in the Bible can be read and completed in 30 minutes. 30 minutes, so you take the average reading speed. So even if you're slow, a little bit of a slow reader, so am I, it's not a big deal, okay? But the average reading, the average reader can read over half the books in this Bible in 30 minutes or less. 26 of the books can be read in 15 minutes or less. And you can read the entire Bible cover to cover in 72 hours, which seems like a lot, but it's not, okay? 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, and you can read the whole Bible in 144 days, which is 21 weeks, which is five months. Okay, I did the math for you. So you can have the whole Bible read in less than half a year if you just read 30 minutes a day. So 30 minutes a day, and you can read the whole Bible twice in one year. And that's if you miss a day or two, or like five, if I did the math right, okay? You can read 15 minutes a day and read the Bible once in a year. It's not hard to commit the time. We just distract ourselves in other ways. There's another study done. It's a smaller concentration and it's a smaller age group. But what it found was that people between the ages of 15 and 23, they spend an average screen time of 53 hours a week. 50, people work 40 hours a week, generally. Okay, So more than eight hours a day, 15 to 23 year olds are consuming some kind of screen time. Sometimes that's books, okay? So it's not always bad, but but most of the time it's things like movies, YouTube, Netflix, TikTok, Twitter, social media. We spend time on our phones consuming screen time. The iPhone started this terrible thing a few years ago where it tells me every Sunday how much screen time I spent a day on my phone. You want to talk about convicting. The first thing that thing that thing popped up, it was like six hours a day. And I was like, there's no way I'm on my phone six hours a day. And then you start paying attention to it and you're like, man, the girls go to bed and it was like, what, nine? And I go to sleep at like 10, 30, 11 on my phone the whole time. So I started, you know, started trying to read more and put the phone down, changing that. This was several years ago. It's kind of working, but not always. Okay. So, but the point is, we spend a lot of time on our phones, a lot of time, and we can put the Bible on our phones 30 minutes, 30 minutes a day. That's a, less than a lunchtime, and we can consume the whole Bible in less than a year. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to read the Bible to settle debates. You don't have to read it to, to have an aha moment. Just read it. Consume it like you would a, a novel. Comprehend what it says, but you don't, have to, you don't even have to read the whole Bible. Just read the Gospels over and over again. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over again until you feel like you're ready for more. I'm just asking that we read 
the Bible. And here, as a person who loves to read, I, I, I want you to know that it's also okay to listen to books. Right? We live in a time where audiobooks are pretty prevalent, and there's this debate about whether reading with your eyes and reading with your ears are the same thing. They are. Science has proved it. They've done studies. Neurologists have looked at the brain, and the way your brain activates when you're reading a book is the same way it activates when you're listening to it. Okay, So it's not just reading the Bible, but also hearing the Bible. You can listen to the Bible for 30 minutes a day. All right, It's possible. Now, it's important that you read it too. All right, You need to do all three of these, reading, hearing, and meditating. But you can hear the Bible. This, and hearing also is not just listening to the Bible. Okay, It's also listening to teaching on the Bible. So you are searching the scriptures right now as I'm telling you about them, okay? You're searching the scriptures on Sunday morning when you hear teaching. You're searching the scriptures in the life group when we talk about Bible passages, when your your peers are reading and studying scripture and finding and working through it themselves. You're searching the scripture when you read or listen to a book about the Bible. You're searching scriptures when you listen to a lecture or a podcast. Hearing is about the being a part of a community when it comes to Consuming the Bible, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So we, through the word of Christ dwelling in us, we admonish one another. There's a community aspect. So hearing is not just hearing a book, but it's also participating with Scripture with your community. And the last thing is meditating. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of instructions must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Meditating is spiritual contemplation, right? It's just sitting down and thinking about memorizing scripture. This might be the least obvious, but one of the most important when it comes to, to fruit in your life from scripture. It's pondering a teaching. It's focusing on memory verses. It's reading meditatively. All right. It's reading slowly. The same thing again and again and again. It's pausing and praying that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes, praying for illumination. This is, this is meditation. It's not just the consuming, but it's the slowing it down and putting it deep within our hearts. All three of these are searching the scripture. If you're looking to build a relationship with someone, spending a weekend with them once a year is not going to allow that relationship to go any deeper. Yes, you'll connect, you'll catch up on old times, but you won't grow together. You, the relationship won't be deep. It'll just remain the same. And eventually you'll see that your lives begin to drift apart and look differently. But if you take the same person and you eat lunch with them every day, even if it's just a 30-minute lunch, or you talk to them on the phone or send them a text message, you learn that over time that relationship automatically grows deeper just by being in contact with that person. You don't even have to strive strive for it. You don't have to put effort into it. Just spending time with them consistently will cause the relationship to go deeper. The way we know scripture is by constantly spending time searching it. Don't be discouraged if you can't sit down and study it every single day. That's fine. It's normal. I love to study scripture. I do not read the Bible every day. Have you ever heard a pastor tell you that? 
Probably not, right? Because they want you to read the Bible every day. But there are so many people that feel guilty because they can't get to the Bible every day. Listen, there are times we make excuses we shouldn't. But you don't have to read it every day. Meditate on it. Recite the, the, the verses you've memorized. Listen to sermons. You can Google and go online and listen to sermons. I do it all the time. All right? That's where I find quotes from other pastors because they teach on something that I was curious about. Be at church. Listen to, to listen to the messages you hear at church. Be in life group. Those are all ways that you can participate in searching the scripture. Don't let guilt keep you from going into the word. There are a multitude of ways to practice searching scripture. Hebrews 4.12, the last verse for today, says that the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Will you commit with me to searching the scriptures so that the grace of God will transform you? It will complete you. It will make you holy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. You draw us deeper. Will you draw us deeper into that word? Would you in your grace and mercy remove the excuses and provide us with the strength and the courage we we need? We want to know you. We want to be holy. We want to avoid the snares of the enemy. And we find all of this in your word. Holy Spirit, transform us as we search the scriptures. Amen.